Welcome to Kevin Condor's podcast. This series is on the Tabernacle of David, based on Kevin's best-selling book by the same title. It's available in paperback and e-back formats from Amazon in your area, or as an immediate PDF download from the shop at kevinconnor.org. Finally, the ongoing impact of Kevin's ministry is only possible because of the generosity of friends and supporters like you. Why not consider making a donation today at kevinconnor.org forward slash donate. Thanks very much. I'm going to read a rather a lengthy passage, but I never apologize for reading the Word. I want to read verses 1 through to 21. And today I want to start on a series for the next number of weeks. We've had a lot of visiting ministry over the last number of weeks, and uh, uh, we have been taking a series at the beginning of the year on the family, and then with so much visiting ministry, and uh, we've had uh, plenty of uh, smorgasbord teaching and preaching. We praise the Lord for smorgasbord. But uh, the next number of weeks, we're going to be uh, taking a series together. I'll say that, what that is in a moment. All right, Acts 15 and verse 1. <clears throat> and certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, and I like what uh, Dick Benjamin says, if they didn't have a small one, they must have had a big one. So how many see that the early church was not perfect? I ask you a question, how many see the early church wasn't perfect? Okay, so they had no small dissension and disputation, so they must have had a big one. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem under the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders came together uh, for to consider of this matter. <clears throat> and when there had been much disputing, uh, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago uh, God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Spirit, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved, even as they. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And after they held their peace, after that uh, they had held their peace, G James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written, After this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, says the Lord, who doeth all these things. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them which from the Gentiles are turned to God, 
but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols, in other words, idolatry, and from fornication, in other words, immorality, and from things strangled, and from, and from blood, things offered particularly in idol worship too. For Moses of all time hath in every city them that preach him, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. May the Lord bless the word to, to our hearts. Now the series that I want to take uh, together in the next number of weeks, uh, particularly in the morning uh, services, is found in verses 15 and 16 and 17, and this will be the theme that we're going to be sharing. And to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written, after this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of who? Not the tabernacle of Moses. He didn't say, I will build again the tabernacle of Moses, but I will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, what for? That the residue of men might seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, says the Lord, who doeth all these things. Now one of the things we continually have to watch in a, in a fellowship like this as the church continues to grow, new converts are added to the Lord and uh, the Lord sometimes brings uh, other sheep into the fold here, is that we take so many things for granted that go on in our worship services and uh, some of the expressions of worship and so forth, the singing, praise, uh, prophecy, song of the Lord, music and so forth. We're going to be talking about these areas, about music in the church, uh, expressions of worship and so forth, and things that particularly belong to the tabernacle of David. As I said, it's always a danger that people coming in, we just carry on and forget these foundation truths that need to be repeated, and we just take them for granted. And uh, while we have time of uh, singing free praise, we're going to be talking about a lot of those things in the next uh, number of months ahead. And we're going to be weaving together some of the things pertaining to the tabernacle of Moses and, and the tabernacle of David. What is the distinction there? Just refresh some things and uh, as well as uh, uh, bring new people up to date on where we are on these things. What I want to do this morning, though, is lay a foundation to the whole of the uh, setting here, the historical setting that we have here. So I want to pick up particularly just for this morning as we lay a foundation, verses 1 and verse 11. So our se series is going to be over the next number of weeks, uh, the tabernacle of David. I might say this a number of years ago, I never even knew David had a tabernacle. I'd never heard of the tabernacle of David. I'd had a lot of teaching over the years on the tabernacle of Moses uh, and lots of areas and facets of the tabernacle of Moses. But uh, personally, as soon as I heard somebody talk about the tabernacle of David, I just re responded or reacted and said, oh, that's a bunch of heresy. They mean the tabernacle of Moses. No, he's talking about the tabernacle of David. So I began to ask questions along with some of the other brethren in New Zealand when we first uh, discovered this truth that has been in the Bible for many years. Tabernacle of David. What's the tabernacle of David? What, what about the tabernacle of Moses? I mean, we've heard about that, the tabernacle of David. What's all that about? And did David even have a tabernacle? If he did, what did he do in it? Let me just ask you this morning before we continue, how many have never really heard or had teaching on the tabernacle of David? Why don't you put up your hands? Look at that. I trust that you're going to enjoy the series that we share in the next number of weeks. 
All right, the verses I'm particularly going to pick up this morning, though, as we lay a foundation, uh, are verses 1 and verse 11. Verses 1 and verse 11. And I'm going to particularly be talking about a, an expression that's used here. And so often we take for granted, but it's basic to, to the coming into the tabernacle of David. All right, so verse 1. Certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner or the custom or the law of Moses, ye cannot be saved. Everybody say that. Be saved. Say it again. Be saved. Verse 11. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved. Say it again. Be saved even as they. So I'm going to talk about that this morning. All right, now let's just uh, take a little moment to bear with me here as we set a historical setting here. In the four Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, we have the historical account of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, his ministry over uh, approximately three and a half years as we understand it. And we have the accounts and there are more chapters given in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John uh, to the death, burial, resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and anything else, showing the importance that Christ was born crucified, he was born to die. And so the gospel set out the historical account of the birth, life, death, burial, resurrection, and finally the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Before his ascension, in Matthew's gospel, Mark's gospel, before his ascension, we find the Lord Jesus before his ascension back to heaven and back to the Father. We find that the Lord commanded his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He told them to go and make disciples of all nations and to baptize them into the name of the Godhead, into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, into the name of the eternal Godhead. And we see how they fulfill that in the book of Acts by baptizing them into the triune name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He also told them, according to Luke's rendition, that they were to preach repentance and remission of sins uh, beginning at Jerusalem and then take the gospel to all nations and that they were to teach everything that Jesus uh, commanded his disciples. Now personally I believe that as we study the book of Acts which naturally follows the gospels, the, the gospels deal with the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ and the book of Acts deals with the church which is his body. Although the expression the body of Christ is not used in the Acts itself but the church. So in the gospels we have Christ the head and in the church, in the book of Acts, we have the church, which is his body. And uh, personally, as I go through the book of Acts, I don't believe the disciples really understood the implications of the commission, that when Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, they were so sectarian, they were so nationalistic, they were so political and uh, Jewish-minded, that when he said all nations, the full implications of the gospel going to all nations hadn't dawned upon them. And so we see this unfolding particularly through the book of Acts. Well now as we have been taught over the years in the book of Acts, we see that Jesus Christ has ascended to heaven in Acts chapter 1. And then in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon the 120. And they're filled with the Holy Spirit and the evidence to them are being filled with the Holy Spirit, we're speaking in other tongues. And so Peter is the one that gets up and preaches the gospel and the result is that over 3,000 Jews were uh, brought to the Lord Jesus Christ and they were added to the church. 
And as you study the book of Acts, we find... Uh, let's turn over to Acts chapter 1 a moment here while you're in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. <coughs> Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 is really the key to the, uh, the key verse to the book of Acts. And the, uh, the key verse of showing how that they fulfilled the commission, the great commission, and the commission in the Gospels uh, in, their, in their generation, really. All right, so he says in Acts 1.8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And as the book of Acts unfolds, we see them beginning to preach the gospel in Jerusalem, and then in Judea, and then through to Acts chapter 8 in Samaria, and from Acts chapter 8 and 13, uh, 11, 12, 13 onwards, 14, we see the gospel going to the uttermost part of the then known earth, the gospel going to the Gentiles. So beginning at Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. So we see the book of Acts unfolding in that way. Now, the problem that we see arising here in this historical setting is this, what to do with the Gentile converts. So far the gospel has gone to the Jews and 3,000 saved, 5,000 multitudes of men and women. Then the gospel went to Judea, from Jerusalem to Judea and the surrounding villages and cities of Judea. Then they were game enough to go down to Samaria and, uh, and preach the gospel there. Uh, of course they no doubt remember what Jesus said when he spoke to the woman at the well, the woman of Samaria who became the first fruits of an outpouring of the Spirit that was to come on the Samaritans. But now in Acts chapter 13, the church of Antioch, the Holy Spirit has said, I want you to separate me, Barnabas and Paul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And so Barnabas and Paul from the church at Antioch became the great missionary church. And uh, so the gospel starts to go out from Antioch. So Jerusalem has preached the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria. But now Antioch is going to become the great missionary church and the gospel is going to go out to the Gentiles to the uttermost part of the earth. So the book of Acts has been unfolding. Now God has poured out his spirit not only on the Jew, but on the Gentiles. They spoke with tongues, they spoke with tongues. And now the problem is what to do with the Gentiles. The Gentiles, the Jews, are trying to make the, the Gentiles Jews and the Gentiles don't want to become Jews, they want to become Christians, but they don't want to become Jews. But the Jews want to be Messianic Jews or Jewish Christians, but not just Christians. So we have this problem between the Jew and the Gentile. And uh, in every city, in fact, let's go back to Acts chapter 15 for an interesting expression there. Acts 15 and verse 21. Acts 15 verse 21. The apostles and elders, when they bring the conference to a conclusion... They say, for Moses of all time hath in every city them that preach him, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. So in every city there was generally a synagogue and in the synagogues they preached Moses, preaching Moses, preaching Moses, preaching Moses. But now they're not preaching Moses, they're preaching Jesus. Okay? So the issue now is, do we preach Moses or do we preach Jesus? Go back to Acts chapter 
8.35, and we see this expression, preaching Jesus or preaching Moses. Acts 8.35, when Philip went down to the uh, desert and was speaking to the eunuch, we're told in verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him who? Preached unto him Jesus, not Moses. Now Moses has in every city them that preach him, but now the apostles and the disciples and the believers are preaching Jesus. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 20, when Saul, uh, as he's going to become Paul in due time, straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. They preach Jesus, they preach Christ. They preach Jesus, they preach Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 15 and verse 21, which I've just read to you, uh, they preach Moses. So, so the Jews were preaching Moses, but the apostles were no longer preaching Moses, they preached Jesus. Now I'd like you to just to hold your Bible open at, at, at Acts 15 for a moment and just have an overview of what precipitated this revelation concerning the Gentiles coming into the tabernacle of David. Okay, in uh, verses 1 through to 5, let's uh, paraphrase the story a little bit here. We see the problem. Certain men, in verse 1 we're told of Acts 15, have come down from Judea, and uh, no doubt from Jerusalem and the uh, Judean churches, and they taught the brethren, that is the Gentile brethren, the new converts, and uh, this is what they're saying. They said, you've got to be circumcised, so the rite of circumcision, you have to be circumcised after the manner of Moses, or you cannot be saved. And then in verse 5 we have the same thought. There arose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, and we know how uh, Jesus and the Pharisees got on very well. You can see why the Pharisees never gave Jesus their, uh, their credentials. Always up against Jesus, Jesus up against the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, and what did they say? So here we have Pharisees believing on Christ, but what did they say to the Gentiles? It's needful to circumcise the Gentiles. They must go through the rite of circumcision, and not only that, they, must, they commanded them to keep the law of Moses. And we're particularly talking about ritualisms of the law. So here's the problem. What to do with the Gentiles? What do the Pharisees do? They have Moses in one hand and they have Jesus in the other. So Moses and Jesus, preaching Moses, preaching Jesus. So, oh, it's not enough to accept Jesus. You've got to accept Moses as well. Well, what they were failing to realize is that Moses pointed to Jesus. And I think it's so beautiful on the Mount of Transfiguration that when, uh, when Peter, James and John and Jesus were up on the Mount of Transfiguration and Jesus was transfigured before them, what happened? Uh, we're told that Moses and Elijah appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration and they talked to Jesus and uh, as, as uh, Peter, James and John woke out of their sleep and said, oh, let's build three tabernacles, suddenly the Father's voice came out of that cloud that was overshadowing the mountain and said, this is my beloved son, hear him. And so Moses pointed to Jesus, Elijah pointed to Jesus because Moses represents the law and Elijah represents the prophets. So the law and the prophets pointed to Jesus and, and we're told that Moses and Elijah just, they just faded from the scene. And the father said, this is my beloved son, hear him. So it's no longer preaching Moses, it's preaching Jesus. Now all of this will take on more significance in due time here. 
Okay? So Moses and Jesus. All right? So what were the brethren from the local churches in Judea and Jerusalem doing? They were trying to bring the Gentiles under the rite of circumcision, which was the seal of the Abrahamic covenant, and they were trying to put them under the law of Moses, which involved keeping of Sabbath days, the Mosaic covenant. So there was covenantal confusion here. Confusion of the Abrahamic covenant, confusion of the Mosaic covenant, and confusion of the new covenant. How many are glad you're a new covenant believer? When we have the table, Lord, this is the new covenant, the New Testament. We're in covenantal relationship with God and with each other, not through Moses, but through Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so what did they do in verse 6? Verse 2 and 6, they went up to Jerusalem. In other words, they went back to the local church from where the problem originated. Wouldn't it be great if we could do that today? And when problems originate, go back to the local church from which the problem originated. Well, that would be Bible way. And so in verse 6, we're told that the apostles and the elders came together for to consider of this matter. So here we have the oversight, the ministry, the eldership of the local church, apostolic ministry still in Jerusalem there, and uh, getting together to discuss the problem that had originated from Jerusalem and was now troubling the Gentile churches. All right, now from verse 7 through to 11, we have Peter's testimony. And just paraphrasing a little bit here, uh, Peter says, all right, well, brethren, listen to me. You know, uh, way back there in the Gospel of Matthew 16, which hasn't been written yet, uh, Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church and I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. And you know how the Lord Jesus, the head of the church, gave me certain keys of the kingdom and I used those keys on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 souls were added to the church and then 5,000, then multitudes. So I, I used the keys of the kingdom and people were added to the church. Then, uh, brethren, reminding them, uh, a number of years ago, some time ago, I was waiting for lunch, like some of you are, and uh, I fell into a trance, like some of you don't. And uh, in this trance, I saw this sheet let down from heaven. And on this sheet, there were all manner of unclean animals. There was deviled ham. Do you have deviled ham here? I think that's a very interesting name, don't you? I mustn't get onto that because I, I waste time on my message there. But deviled ham. The only reason I can think that they gave deviled ham that name was because when Jesus cast the demons out of that man legion, they went into the pigs. So the unclean spirits went into an unclean animal, but even the pigs didn't like the demons. They committed self-suicide and drowned themselves. But ever since then, we've had deviled ham. And you know how deviled ham would fit in a Jewish synagogue? It would be totally out of place. Or in America, if you've ever been to America, over there when we go out for breakfast, you can get pigs in a blanket. How many have ever had pigs in a blanket? How many have been to Denny's? Go to Denny's and ask for pigs in a blanket. You'll know what I'm talking about. See, you're ignorant this morning. Well, we've had lots of pigs in the blanket. We bless it and call it fish. Um, I'll do a few of these things. All right, so on this sheet, he saw all sorts of animals. Deviled ham, crayfish, crabs, prawns that had fed on the filth from the sewer in the ocean. I just, just want some feedback, that's all. Just, 
Want, you know, want some response here? Shark, shark's tooth, all those Malaysian things. <laughs> See, that gets response, doesn't it? <laughs> all these things, and three times it happened, and the Lord said, rise, kill, and eat, Peter. He said, look, I'm good British Israelite, I'm sorry, I'm a good Jew. I'm a good seven-day Adventist. No, no, I've kept all the food laws. Let me, let me just throw this, and he wasn't talking about food laws, by the way. It has nothing to do with food laws, not that one. He's talking about the Gentiles. Dogs, yes. And, uh, and finally the Lord said, listen, Peter, I'm not talking about pigs or crayfish. I'm not talking about animals. I'm talking about the Gentiles coming into the kingdom of God. And so Peter goes down there, and uh, Peter is so sectarian and nationalistic, he's not going to baptize those Gentiles. He'll circumcise them, but not baptize them. And finally, in the middle of his preaching, he's talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the ministry. In the middle of his preaching, the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles, and they began to speak with other tongues, just like they did on the day of Pentecost. And when Peter got back to Jerusalem, they nearly pulled his credentials. Said, ah, uh, uh, Peter, we heard you went to the Gentiles. You were mingling, shaking hands with the Gentiles, and you had kosher pork. <laughs> and Peter just said, Well, I bless it and call it fish. <laughs> and he said, Well, look, he said, I was just preaching away there. He said, I didn't even get the chance to make the announcements or take up the offerings. <laughs> right in the middle of my message. I mean, you know, I didn't even get to finish my message, make an altar call. The Holy Spirit fell on them, and they began to speak with tongues. The Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he said, who could I, who was I to withstand God? And he said, I just got the message. If it's good enough for the Lord Jesus Christ to baptize them in the Holy Spirit, it's good enough for me to baptize them in water, because one points to the other. This completes this, and... So I commanded them. I didn't even tell them to pray about it or come to Principles of Church Life class. I commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And so they said, well, praise God. Hallelujah. God's visiting the Gentiles. But now some of these Judaizers get around and say, uh-uh, we'll have to have two churches. A Jewish church where you can eat sheep and a Gentile church where you can eat pigs. Now, what did Peter say? Verse 8. God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Spirit, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them. Hallelujah. Purifying their hearts by faith. Now, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? And here it is, verse 11. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. So verses 7 to 11, we see Peter telling what God did through him. He had the keys of the kingdom. He used them to let the Jews in. Now he uses the keys to let the Gentiles in. All right, now what happens in verse 12? After Peter had uh, spoken his word, then the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul. And so Barnabas and Paul, they go through what happened in Acts chapter 13. And I can hear Paul and Barnabas saying, listen, we were down in the church at Antioch a number of years ago, and we were praying and fasting. And just as we were praying and fasting and ministering to the Lord, 
We weren't ministering to anyone else or to one another. We were ministering to the Lord. And as we ministered to the Lord and fasted in prayer, the Holy Spirit spoke. How did the Holy Spirit speak? Just come out there, out there. Or did he speak through one of the prophets? Personally, I believe he spoke through one of the prophets. And as we prophets and teachers, the inspirational and the educational ministries were there. The Holy Spirit said, separate me, Barnabas and Paul, Saul, as he was then, unto the work whereunto I have called them. And so we separated them by the laying of hands, and then they began to go. Sent of the Holy Spirit, yet sent of the church, and as they went into the cities of the Gentiles, God confirmed the gospel with miracles and wonders and signs among the Gentiles. And in these different cities we've been to, there's churches. We went to the synagogues first, but now there's Gentile churches, and God saved them. They were washed in the same blood, baptized in the same name, baptized in the same Holy Spirit, and so they're in the same body, one body, the body of Christ. We're not going to have a Jewish church and a Gentile church. No, they're going to be saved the same way as we are. And then, of course, in verse 13 through to uh, verse 17, we have James, the last of the apostles here, who seems to take over from Peter after Peter had to disappear from town. James answered and said, Brethren, I've got a word from God. And uh, they, ha they don't have any New Testament here, remember that. People say, oh, well, I'm a New Testament believer. I say, well, what would you do in the early church? They had no New Testament. He goes back to the Old Testament. He said, listen here, brethren, I've got a word of wisdom. Simeon's declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people of his name. Barnabas and Paul, they've also uh, declared what God has done among the Gentiles. And he says, to disagree the words of the prophets. I'm starting to and he quotes one prophet, the prophet Amos, and he says, this is what the prophet Amos says. Now, it's interesting that on the day of Pentecost, Peter quoted the prophet Joel. This is what Joel said, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. All flesh, not just Jewish flesh. But James doesn't quote Joel, he quotes Amos. And he says, oh, this is what Amos said. What did Amos say? That after this I'm going to return and will build again the tabernacle of David. Not the tabernacle of Moses to put the Gentiles under law, but the tabernacle of David, which we'll see the full implication of that in due time, which is for now, and I'll build again the ruins thereof and set it up. What for? That the residue of men, the remnant according to the election of grace from the Jews and the Gentiles, that they'll come into one tabernacle while I'm building, says the Lord. Now, it's interesting that in the New Testament, did you know that the Lord Jesus said he'd only build two things? Or did he say, in saying, I'm going to build these two things, he's only building one thing? There's only two things the Lord said he'd build, and when you go through them, as we're going to be doing in these next number of weeks, they are one thing. Matthew 16, he says, Upon this rock I will, I will build what? My church. So I will build my church, my ecclesia, my called out ones, my gathered and assemble, assemble ones. And the only other thing he said he'd build, he said, I will build again the tabernacle of David, and, and which is fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof. Oh, so what is the tabernacle of David? How is it fallen down? What are the ruins thereof? Set it up. What for? That the Gentiles. Now, is Jesus building two things? Is he building the church, or is he building the tabernacle of David? 
Or is there something in the tabernacle of David which we're going to be looking at that is to be established in the church? Hallelujah. That's what we're looking at. So upon this rock I will build my church, but I'm going to build again that thing that was in the tabernacle of David. Not the tabernacle of Moses, the tabernacle of David, and that thing is going to be in the church I'm building. Everybody understand what I'm saying? Hear what I'm saying? What for? That Jews and Gentiles will come there. Now just for our last few moments, I want you to look at this. The issue that has to be settled here, first of all, is the matter of salvation. The matter of being saved. Pick up again verse 1 and verse 11. Certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the man of Moses, you cannot be saved. Verse 11. Peter says, But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. So we and they. In verse 9, us and them, us and them. And so this matter of us, the Jews, them, the Gentiles, or we, the Jews, and they, the Gentiles, this matter of being saved, that had to be settled first. So Peter clearly shows here that it's through the grace of Jesus, not the law of Moses. We believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved even as they. So being saved through grace. And uh, so we see that. All right, now you'll notice in verse 9, if you've still got Acts 15 open here, first thing Peter wants to make sure of here is that there is no difference. And I wish the church as a whole would listen to this today. He says, he put no difference between us and them. So no difference between us, the Jews, and them, the Gentiles. Well, why do we do it today? Us and them. Well, it's us and them. There's the Gentiles, there's the church, and then there's the Jews. So there's us and them, and we, why do we keep this uh, us and them? There is no difference. I want you to turn over to uh, Romans, to a couple of scriptures here on this, no difference. And, uh, and I've mentioned this on various occasions, uh, the Jewish, so-called Jewish problem. Well, the church is one thing and the Gentiles, but then we've got the Jews, and we've got to look after the Jews. Listen to what the Bible says. Romans chapter 2, and uh, uh, verses 22. Verse 22 and 23, particularly the latter part of verse 22 and then into verse 23. Even the righteousness of God, which is by the faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. Unto all and upon all. For, say it with me, there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So there's no difference. Jew or Gentile, there's no difference. All have sinned. The Jews have sinned. The Gentiles have sinned. All are sinners. There's no difference. All have sinned. Why do we make a difference? Listen to Romans 2 and verses 9 to 11. Another word here, but the same truth. Romans 2 and verse 9 to 11. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first, and also of the Gentile but glory, honour and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. And let's say verse 11 together. For there is no respect of persons with God. Do you believe that this morning? Does God respect the Jew more than the Gentile? Does God respect the Jew more than he respects the church? Why do people say God's finished with the church, he's turning back to the Jew? 
There is no difference between Jew or Gentile. There's no respect uh, of persons between Jew and Gentile. Why do preachers make a difference? Go to one more in Romans. Romans chapter 10. This is so clear. But see, Peter had to get this because they're trying to make a difference. They want to make a Jewish church and a Gentile church. They want to put the Gentiles in the tabernacle of Moses. No, he says tabernacle of David. All right, Romans 10 uh, and verse 12. Romans 10 verse 12. For For there is no difference. Say it with me. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Do you believe that this morning? Do you make a difference when there's no difference? For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, so you don't have to keep the law of Moses and the circumcision to be saved. We believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved. So there is no difference. God is no respecter of persons. So Jews or Gentiles, all are sinners, all need salvation. There is no difference in nationalities. All are lost. All have sinned and all have come short of the glory of God. All need God's grace. And this morning as we look at, there's no difference. All of us are sinners. All of us need the grace of God. All of us are lost apart from the grace of God. Can we say amen? So there's no difference between Australians and Malaysians, and Russians, and Chinese, and Japanese, and Californians, and Californian poppies, and anything. There is no difference, for all have sinned. No difference. We've got to settle that. So Peter said, God put no difference between us. So what are we putting the difference for? And then he says, we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ shall, we shall be saved. See, the, Gentile, the Judaizers said you've got to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses to be saved. Peter says you're going to be saved through grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, not the law of Moses. Uh, you know, I, I keep saying this. One of the great dangers we have in a church like this and in any church is that we develop religious cliches. How many are saved today? What do you mean being saved? Now, years ago, as most of you know, I used to be in the Salvation Army, and uh, I really got saved there. And then uh, I was at the age of 14 in the city temple, and then when I was 18, I joined the Air Force, and the war finished in six months. No thanks to me, of course. (laughs) Uh, And then uh, I was in the open-air campaigners, uh, wear my Air Force uniform on duty, and I'd wear my Salvation Army uniform off duty. It was marvellous. I led two lives. Uh, and then they said to me, have you ever been born again? And I said, born again? What, what, what do you mean? Oh, if, you, if you'd been born again, you, you'd, know, you'd know you were born again. So I got born again a second time. I thought I did. I, I was saved back here, but I was born again here. Now, how many are saved here? How many are born again? How many don't know where they are? And you see, we didn't, I mean, in, 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 in our citadel, we didn't sort of talk about being born. We talked about being saved. How many Salvation Army people here? Ex. What are you doing? Stand up, all you ex-Salvationists. God help you. Look at what's happening to the army. General Booth, what's he going to say? He's going to say, hallelujah, fire a volley. Are you saved? What do you mean being saved? 
If I come up and you said, are you saved? Yeah, I'm saved. What do you mean? What do you mean, Darren? Are you saved? Yes. What do you mean? I mean, <laughs> I know I'm putting you on the spot and I'm, I'm almost saved by time here. See, but, you know, <laughs> we go up to a sinner and say, are you saved? Pierre's a sinner. Saved by grace. No, I'm not qualify that. Are you saved? Yes. What do you mean saved? You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I believe in Napoleon Bonaparte. What's the difference? <laughs> you see the language we get into? Be saved. So you're saved. So how many want to tell me, what does it mean to be saved? See, we use these terms and we don't even know what we're talking about. Let me fin finish with one illustration then we'll have to continue next Sunday morning. Uh, years ago, somebody's... Uh, out swimming down the beach here in Melbourne. And on the beach, of course, you have these lifesavers. Uh, not these ones that just suck with the hole in, you know. Uh, let me know what I mean. Lifesavers. And uh, all of a sudden, way out in the deep, man yells out, help, 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 help! What does a lifesaver do? I see that hand, is there another? Does he, does he do that? Help, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. No, he doesn't do that. Anyway, he swims out there with his life jacket on and as he's trying to save this man, the guy's struggling and pulling him under and they go under two or three times and they're blowing out fish out of their mouth and they're bringing him. So finally the guy, he gives him a KO right behind the ear. There's a little place there, don't try it. Uh, but you just knock him out. Knocked him. And people were watching on the beach and thought, oh, that's absolutely terrible. Why did he do that? Why did he give him a KO? Anyway, he drags him in, floats him in, and then resuscitates him and everything like that. And finally the guy comes to, and he says, oh, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. <laughs> saved from what? <laughs> no, he didn't, wasn't saved from the KO he got there. He was saved from drowning. He was saved from death. And somebody says to the lifesaver, why did you give him a KO? He said, well, as long as he was struggling and striving to save himself, I couldn't save him. I think we get the message. Sometimes the Lord has to give us a spiritual KO. Because while we struggle and strive to save ourselves, through works of the law, through ritualism, or whatever. He can't save us. We are saved by grace through faith. We believe. Not through the law of Moses, but through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's all stand. We're going to continue this next Sunday morning. When we get into the areas of music and praise and some of us, we're going to have a great time, but we need to have this foundation laid this morning. Let's just bow our heads in prayer a moment. And let's close our eyes now looking around. Maybe there's somebody here this morning and you say, well, I'm not saved. I've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my own personal saviour. And this word that's come this morning, I realise that I am drowning in sin and I've been struggling and striving to save myself. And I realize that Jesus Christ has to save me. You want to be saved this morning. 
saved from being lost, saved from hellfire, saved from sin. And the Lord Jesus Christ is here to save you this morning. So just while we've got our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you don't know Christ as your own personal Savior and you want to be saved, why don't you just raise your hand wherever you are in the building. Anybody here this morning? If you're here this morning and you want to talk to somebody, talk to myself or one of the elders, one of the personal workers here, if you'd like to receive counseling, then we're available at the end of this service. Thank you, Jesus. How many are glad that you are saved this morning? Why don't you just lift your hands to the Lord and thank him this morning? Because you can't get into the tabernacle of David unless you're saved first. That's where it begins. Hallelujah. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.